Hi everyone. Uh, Tammy and I want to thank you all for your prayers, your support. Uh, last couple weeks we've been quarantined at home with COVID and we're both just about over it. Um, but just thank you so much for your prayers and uh, it's meant so much. Your notes, your cards, your messages, texts. I, mean, I really just appreciate you all so much. You know, this year we weren't able to have a living nativity like we would normally. And we've tried to intertwine our nativity with our um, online worship through the Sundays of Advent this year. And we're looking at the story of Jesus' birth through the Gospel of Luke. You know, the Gospel of Matthew really focuses on Joseph's perspective uh, about Jesus' birth. And, and Luke focuses on Jesus' birth through the, the eyes of Mary, the story of Mary. Matthew tells us that Joseph's hometown was in Bethlehem. And Luke tells us uh, Mary's hometown was in Nazareth. Now, if you follow Luke's story, eventually everyone has to go to their hometowns for the registration, for the census. And so Mary and Joseph, they travel together to Bethlehem and they're registered as a couple. Uh, it's in Joseph's hometown. But a lot happened in these nine months before the couple, they, they journeyed to Bethlehem together. I really want to today spend some time on what happened in those nine months in between the angel's announcement to, to Mary in her hometown of Nazareth and then baby Jesus' birth about 80 miles away in Joseph's hometown, little town of Bethlehem. Joseph from Bethlehem, Mary's hometown, 80 miles away in Nazareth, um, that tells us a lot. Most likely they had an arranged marriage. It was a long distance marriage. Family members in Bethlehem and family members in Nazareth would have arranged for the couple to be married. And you know, that was normal back then. That's not a deal. You know, I've officiated a lot of weddings over the years. Enough to recognize that engaged couples, you know, they all pretty much have something in common. They dream about their life together as they await their wedding ceremony. It was a different world back then, but I'm sure that's what Joseph and Mary were doing um, in their respective hometowns, Joseph and Bethlehem and Mary and Nazareth. They were dreaming of starting their lives together. You know, Joseph, we're told, was a carpenter. And, you know, I bet he dreamed about building them a house, uh, having a family. And then, you know, Mary, she would have dreamed of having kids and raising them. And that all changed when Mary discovered she was going to have a baby. Just like her cousin Elizabeth, much older um, than Mary, but Elizabeth and her husband, they, they were married, and they were, they'd never been able to have kids. But, and we looked at this story last week, you know, for God, nothing is impossible. This is where it really gets interesting. So Mary's cousin Elizabeth, she lives four miles from Bethlehem in a town called Ein Karim. And this is really important. Elizabeth's hometown, Ein Harim, about nine day journey from Mary's hometown. But Elizabeth only lives about four miles from the little town of Bethlehem where Joseph lives. And we read in Luke, the first thing that Mary does when she finds out she's pregnant, the angel visits her and 
She just takes off and she travels to see her cousin in Ain Karim. She goes all alone. Uh, she stays with her cousin for three months. And again, Ain Karim, it's nine days walk from Mary's hometown, but it's only four miles away from Joseph's hometown. So that means for three months, Mary and Joseph were only four miles apart. Now I want you to think about that. Mary's family, they had arranged this marriage, uh, and who knows how much interaction the couple had had before. Uh, you know, they most likely met, but it's not like they would have seen each other every summer at summer camp or anything. So this young teenage Mary discovers she's pregnant, and the first thing she does is she walks nine days all alone to see her cousin, who lives four miles away from Joseph's hometown. And she stays with her cousin for three months. I think it's pretty safe for us to read into this story. Throughout those three months, she and Joseph would have had some conversation. And I really wonder if Mary thought that trip would have gone differently. I really wonder if she hadn't planned with staying with her cousin for three months. I mean, think about this with me. An angel announces a birth. And she responds, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. I, I, I am blessed for what God is doing in my life. I mean, that was her level of expectation that this is a blessing from God and, and God's gonna clear the way for this whole journey. This is gonna be easy, no problem whatsoever. I mean, God is blessing me. This is gonna be cake. God's gonna take care of me. I mean, through, through Joseph, through my family, everybody's going to support me. They're all going to be so proud of us. Matter of fact, I bet the whole community is going to come together. And I'm bringing the long-expected Messiah into the world. How exciting! That's going to be how this is going to go. So Mary walks nine days all alone to see her cousin in Ein Karim. I mean, you can't tell me she wasn't thinking that Joseph is only four miles away. I mean, of course she would have been excited to tell Joseph about the pregnancy. I'm pregnant with God's son. He's going to be the long-awaited Messiah. We will be his parents. So Mary makes her way to Elizabeth, tells Mary that she had her own visit with an angel. I mean, that's just more confirmation that God's in the midst of this whole thing. Elizabeth, she pronounces Mary blessed. Actually, she says, you know, Mary's blessed three times in one sentence. God's really blessing Mary. Again, that's all confirmation for this young, unwed, teenage, pregnant girl. I mean, God's in the midst of this. You are blessed. I, this is going to be easy. I bet she just flew those four miles over to Joseph. Probably figured he'd already had a visit with an angel. And, and, you know, she gets to Bethlehem. She finds Joseph, tells him about the blessing. The angels visit. She's going to have a baby. God's the father. Immaculate conception. This is a blessing. How do you think that conversation went? I mean, you don't have to guess. If Joseph believed her story, 
virginal conception and everything by the Holy Spirit, he never would have planned to dismiss her quietly, as Matthew's Gospel says. Joseph thought Mary had been unfaithful. Just think about Mary. I bet when the angel came that night that she figured if she'd just simply follow God, do what the angel asked, it'd just be smooth sailing. I mean, she was blessed after all. I think we all do this. We just expect if God calls us on a journey, it's just going to be a piece of cake. I mean, that's what a blessing is all about, right? That's what it means, right? Being blessed means I'm going to get money and fortune and fame and it's all going to be easy and I'm going to have an easy life, right? And that's the life goal, right? An easy life. A life with no problems, a life with no issues, a life with no drama. I'm going to have great health. I'm going to have plenty of money. I'm going to have cars and boats and houses and all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's what happens when God blesses you, right? Once I accept Christ, I'm never going to have any problems at all. I, that's what happens when I follow Christ, right? Actually, it's kind of the opposite, usually. If you follow someone, you go where your leader goes, and you do what your leader does. And Jesus lived for others, and he ultimately gave his life for others. Following Jesus is supposed to be offering our lives to be part of God's plan, to be used to further God's kingdom. And that's what happened with Mary. You know, Mary was incredibly blessed by God. But what do you think of when you hear God's blessing? I mean, you need to check that with the Bible. What does the Bible outline as one of God's blessings? When the Bible talks about blessing, being blessed, it doesn't mean money or power or a nice car. It means God's going to work through you. I mean, that's what a biblical blessing is all about. I mean, all the way back to Genesis with Abraham's call. If you remember that, God said he and his descendants would be blessed to be a blessing to others. That was the blessing, that God would work through them to help others. I mean, that's the blessing Elizabeth is describing. Elizabeth said, Mary, you are going to be an integral part of what God's doing in the world. I mean, God's going to work through you in a more intimate way than anyone has ever experienced or anyone ever will experience. God is bringing the world an offer of salvation through you. No one's ever been a bigger part of furthering God's kingdom than Mary. That's what being blessed is about in the Bible. In the Bible, God's blessings aren't about getting stuff like a job or money or even health. In the Bible, God's blessings are being given an opportunity to be used for his purposes. A blessing is an invitation to join God's cause, to be part of God's work. And it can include things like, you know, stuff and your job and your health and your money, but the blessing isn't about receiving those things. 
as much as realizing I have these things that I can offer to be used for God's purposes. You know, when we think of a blessing in terms of something that we get, it makes us the subject. And we think of the blessing as joining God's work. That means God's the subject. And there's a huge difference, right? I mean, the focus on one is me, what I get out of the deal. The other completely focuses on what God's doing and really highlights the amazing grace that God is showing us by inviting us to partner with him and to join in his work. I mean, there, that how humbling if you break that down. I mean, despite my flaws and despite my arrogance and despite my self-concern, God invites me to join him in his work. You know, so often in our world today, I, you know, we think of being blessed as comfort, stuff, maybe an easy life. I mean, no drama, never wanting anything, you know, having to struggle. You wouldn't watch a movie or read a book about a life like that, would you? I mean, no struggle, no difficulty. It'd be boring. I mean, in so many ways, struggle is what gives meaning and purpose and adds value. And frankly, it reminds us of the sacredness and the fragility of this gift of life. I know that sounds really counterintuitive, especially in our world today, but it's true. Of course, the struggles that we experience, I mean, they're, they're hard and they're painful. But when you look back, you realize the most difficult moments of life, so often they are the moments that define our lives. Because there are times that we had to rely on God. We had nothing but God alone to rely on. I'm sure Mary dreamed of a perfect life and, and you know, once she and Joseph were married, I mean, that's what brides do. And I'm sure that when Mary said yes to God's work, that she thought her dreams would be fulfilled of a great life and, and, and then some. But then I bet after Mary walked that few couple miles to see Joseph after spending time with her cousin Elizabeth, I think her hopes and her dreams just downsized pretty quick. And I'm sure that wasn't the last time that she walked back and forth from Elizabeth's home to Bethlehem over those three long months. And I think every time she did, her dreams, they just kind of whittled down a little more, a little more, a little more. And eventually, I think she just dreamed of a quiet wedding. You know, no ceremony, just I want to spare the shame of having a child out of marriage. Back then, that was a deal. Can you imagine how confused young Mary would have been after she told Joseph about the angel's news of this blessing? And he told her he just wanted out of the wedding. God, I said yes to your blessing. God, you were supposed to take care of the rest. That was a deal. That includes support for my fiance. I mean, he was supposed to get it, God. I held up my end. I can't do this on my own. I can't go back to my family. What am I going to do? What's going on, God? 
Matthew tells us eventually the angel goes to Joseph and he decides to take Mary as his wife and raise the child as his own. I mean, that would have been a lot of relief for Mary. But the story wasn't over. I mean, Joseph had to announce the news to his family. They needed to rush along the wedding. And even if he didn't tell them Mary was pregnant, I mean, that's kind of something you figure out. And it doesn't tell us anywhere in the Bible that the angel visited Joseph's family, their friends. Angel didn't go start a whole party for the, the town, celebrate with the couple. We don't have stories that the angel announced the birth to anyone other than on down with the shepherds. And this would have been hard. The townspeople, the neighbors, the gossips. I don't think we can comprehend how hard this would have been for Mary today. I mean, it wouldn't have been that she would have never thought what was ahead um, when she traveled to go see her cousin Elizabeth. And especially as Elizabeth's baby, we're told, leaped in Elizabeth's womb with joy when Mary was there. I mean, Mary would have thought, God is here. And when Elizabeth pronounced her blessed, I mean, not once, not twice, but three times, I mean, what do you think of the word when blessing when you hear it? If an angel told you God's gonna bless you, what would your expectation be? After Elizabeth tells Mary that she's gonna be blessed, you know, Mary sings a song and it's called the Magnificat. It's from the first line of the introduction. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. She sings, surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. We get a huge window into what God's blessing actually means for Mary's song. Listen to what she sings and, and think about how we think of the word blessed today. This is what she says, blessing. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to his ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. See, Mary's song, it's about what God's doing through Jesus. And then she says she's simply blessed to be a part of it. The blessing she sang, it wasn't referring to something she was gonna get, like money or you know, job or health or stuff. Her blessing was not gonna be an easy life. The blessing was simple. God has a plan and God's inviting her to be a part of the plan. 
But even more, she's singing about God's heart for helping. I mean, helping those who hurt. Helping the lowly. I mean, helping the hungry. Mary's singing about the, the reality of injustice in the world. And that God sees it, and God wants to work against it. And God invites us to join in that work. I mean, Mary is saying that the proud and the rich and the powerful are not proud and rich and powerful in God's economy. And she's singing that God has a heart for the nobodies, for, for the underdogs, for the people like her. I mean, there's some really hard words here. I mean, that 153, man, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. I mean, we all want the hungry to be filled. I can't imagine anybody arguing with that. But the next part, that second half, that's really hard. Because if we're honest, I mean, you and I, we're on the rich side. I mean, I'm sitting in my warm home. I have electricity. I have this beautiful view outside my window. If you're joining me through, you know, most likely the internet, on a computer, a TV, I mean, next to so many people in the world, we're rich. And frankly, I don't want God to send us away empty. How do you read this? I mean, how do you hear lines like this from Mary's song? Mary's song is really about two things. It's, it's about what God's doing through Jesus and the fact that he's inviting Mary to be a part of that work. That's the blessing, being a part of God's work a part of God's plan. I mean, that's the greatest blessing of all, right? To be a part of what God's doing in the world. That's what we mean when we say blessed to be a blessing. I mean, that goes back to Abraham in Genesis, that God would work through Abraham and his descendants to bless others. I mean, Paul says we're Abraham's descendants, meaning as followers of Jesus, we have inherited the same blessing. And this song's an invitation. God's invitation to you. God's at work in the world, even in this crazy, wacky 2020. I mean, right now, in the midst of the pandemic, people are sick. Our nation is sick. Our economy is sick. Businesses are in trouble. Just like our nation, I mean, from young to old, we have depression, we have anxiety, there's suicide. I mean, this is real. There is so much need in the world. And the good news is God's at work. And he's inviting us to be a part of that work. I mean, the fact is, we are the rich that Mary sings about. I mean, even in this world and the economy next to the rest of the world, we're okay. But even more than okay, we have a special invitation. I mean, we're given an opportunity. The real impoverished don't have. We can follow this humble Mary, God's servant, and we can humble ourselves before God and help him fill the hungry with good things. We can join God's cause. We can experience the same blessing as we share with others and, and we bless others.
All year long, we've been trying to respond to that invitation at Hillspring. We've had a special offering every fifth Sunday since the pandemic started. Just trying to help people. So far, we've raised over $130,000. Monthly food distribution in East Kennewick, helping our friends in Honduras. Uh, you know, Honduras has been hurt. I mean, all year long with the pandemic. But the storms, uh, you know, Central America, they just devastated them. We've been able to provide families in Honduras with food and I mean, just basic hygiene, you know, blankets, medicine, I and mean, the list goes on and on. I, I'm so proud of our church. Just recently, we helped 43 families through our partnership with East Kennewick uh, at Eastgate Elementary School. And we were able to help provide Christmas presents for 145 kids. Talk about blessed to be a blessing. We're going to have more and more opportunities to help others in the weeks and the months to come. God has plans. And God's inviting us to be a part of his work. I mean, that's so humbling if you think about it. I, we can follow Mary's legacy. We can be servants of God. We can be blessed beyond measure. We can join God's work. We can be part of God's plans. Yeah, I'm so proud of our church. I just thank you all. Um, I'm so thankful for you and for our Savior. And on this day for his mother, who said yes to the invitation. I'm so grateful that together we're following and being a part of that work. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the invitation you give us to join in your cause. I thank you for the work that you do in the world, the light in the darkness, the hope. I thank you for the resurrection that no matter how dark the tomb, that you burst forth, you roll the stone, and your light shines. And with all humility, we thank you for inviting us to say yes, to join your cause. In your son's name we pray. Amen.